Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? Now you can actually talk about the covenants. You know, normally when we don't know what we're talking about, we just say, praise Jesus. Those covenants, just glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. No, but now you can actually talk a little bit about it. So engage with the Word of God. Email us if you have any questions. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Let's engage in 1 John. If you remember, we've been going through 1 John. We're picking it up in chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 18. Lord Jesus, we just love you so much today. We really do. We thank you that you are the one who ushered in the new covenant. You are the one who fulfilled all of your promises. And we thank you that we get to rest and trust in your blood and your sacrifice and the payment for our sins that you and you alone did for us. Hallelujah that we're on this side of your death on the cross, a part of this new covenant. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and deed, or talk, word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So we're back on track, walking through 1 John. I'd encourage you to go back, listen to the sermons that are leading up to this, because so much of what John talks about today really piggybacks on what he's already written about. So as we just read today's passage, it's all about love. As he writes in verse 11, the message that you have heard from the very beginning is that we should love one another. He's challenging all of us as children of God. Hey, guess what? You and I, we should love one another. Now, leading up to this passage, as we've walked through the first three chapters, there's a common theme that runs throughout the first three chapters, and, and it's addressed again and again and again. The, the theme is this. The, the theme is identity. Identity, meaning who are you and whose are you? Are you a Christian or are you not? Are you a child of God or are you a child of the devil? Are you a child of light or a child of darkness? Who are you? And whose are you? That is a theme that is played out throughout the first three chapters. In fact, if you look at the verse right before the passage I just read, this is 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. Listen to what he says. He says, By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Everyone say obvious. Obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, guess what? Is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. If you're a child of the devil, then you don't practice righteousness and you hate your brother. If you're a child of God, you practice righteousness and you love your brother. And John says the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil is obvious. The difference is obvious, meaning people can tell who you are and whose you are by just watching you, by watching how you live, watching what you say, how you love. It's obvious. And I hope we understand that Christianity, it isn't about saying a bunch of good things. It's not about getting 
all of the test questions correct. Christianity has never been about that. Christianity is actually faith in action. It's your actual moving, breathing life that can be observed, a life that is expressed from the inside out, how you actually live, not just saying the correct things. Your actual day-to-day life reveals who you are. It reveals your true identity. Now, doing godly things, it doesn't get you saved. I, I think we all understand that. You can only be saved by putting your faith in Jesus' sacrifice. But for those of us who are saved, for those of us who have been adopted into God's family, well, guess what? We are the ones who practice godliness. Again, godliness doesn't get you saved, but saved people practice godliness. That's who we are. It's clear in Scripture. Saved people, children of God, we live in righteousness, just as you just read. We express love towards one another. And why do we do this? Well, it comes from our identity. It comes from who we are, from the inside out. It comes from who? From Christ within us, who is on display and who is expressed inwardly and then outwardly towards those around us. It's our identity. My brother Jeff sent me a cartoon this week that I think applies in this situation. A Calvin and Hobbes, if you remember Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin says, Hobbes, do you think our morality is defined by our actions or by what's in our hearts? Hobbes says, well, I think our actions show what's in our hearts. Calvin thinks about it and then it comes out from within. I resent that. I love that cartoon. I love it. Our actions show what's in our hearts. I, aren't you, I'm just tired of Christians saying the right things to me, but acting just like so far from being a Christian. Like, that's just not impressing me anymore. I'm done with it. <laughs> our actions show what's in our hearts. And as Christians, our hearts have been won by Christ. In fact, the Bible says that heart of stone has been replaced with a heart of flesh, meaning a heart that is alive and beating for Jesus and for his kingdom. We now live to please God, to obey God, to walk in righteousness and to love one another. And God, by the way, this is how good it is. God even puts his Holy Spirit within us to help us live this new life with Christ. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit actually gives us exactly what we need to walk in righteousness, to obey His commands, and to supernaturally love others. He gives us the power we need. 2 Peter 1.3 tells us this. By His divine power, He has given us everything we need for a godly life. Do you have confidence in that? Do you trust in that? God's power right now, today, is giving you everything you need to live a godly life. In our flesh, you can't do it. Right? In your own strength, you're going to fail. But with God's supernatural help, we are empowered, we are equipped to live a godly life, to love and to obey God and to love those around us. And now here's John in 1 John. He's reminding us of this amazing truth. As Christians, this is who we are. We love one another. So this means we love our kids. We love our husband. We love our wife. We love our pastor. We love those who are sitting around you right now. Or maybe because you don't love them, you're supposed to love the person that's sitting on the other side of the church right now. Loving others, it's a central part of being a Christian. You cannot be a Christian without loving others. Jesus tells us this in John 15. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
couple of chapters before that, chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Again, if you tried to fulfill this commandment on your own, if you just try really hard or muscle up enough willpower to love others, you're going to fail. But see, church, we don't love as the world loves. No, we actually get to love others with the very love of God by the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. God's Spirit enabling us, empowering us with a supernatural love for our brothers and sisters. He gives us the ability to love one another. It's who we are. It is who we are from the inside out. It is in our DNA and it is our identity. Love one another, verse 11 tells us. Do you believe that? Do you? I think you could look at Christianity and wonder if we really do believe that. But. And then John continues, and now he explains what it means to love one another. First he starts with a negative example, and then he finishes with a pretty positive one. First the negative example, John writes, don't be like Cain. We should not be like Cain. You know why? He was of the evil one and he murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds, they were evil and his brother's righteous. So John decides to use the first biblical example we have of hating your brother, not loving your brother. And John says, look at it. Look at Cain and don't be like Cain. And Cain's a great example for us, by the way, because if you remember back in, in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, maybe you read it this week in the Bible reading plan, he actually, God actually warns Cain. Listen to what he says to Cain. He says, Cain, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, here's the warning, church. If you do not do well, sin, it's crouching at the door. Sin, it has a desire for you. But you, Cain, you must master it. Hopefully we can all heed this warning this morning. We need to understand that sin has a desire for you. I don't think you even need me to tell you that from up here. We all have felt the desire that sin has for us. And Satan, maybe we don't understand this part as much, Satan is always ready to shoot those fiery missiles, always ready to shoot the fiery darts to fan that flame of evil desire. So the story of Cain and Abel, Satan, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, and, and he does. He pounces on Cain. In a moment of Cain's anger, Satan pounces on him, and Satan tempts him to kill his brother Abel, and that's exactly what he does. Cain is vulnerable in that moment because he had not mastered the evil desire which led him to hate his brother. It's so intense, and, and as I was studying this week, I, I remember just Asking the Lord, well, God, how do we do this then as Christians? How do we resist the devil? How, how do we live a life where sin is not our master, where we overcome sin and we love one another? Well, the answer, of course, the hope, of course, is Jesus. Hallelujah, again, that we're a part of this new covenant. The answer is Jesus, through Jesus. If you want to master sin, well, then you've got to put on Christ. If you want to master sin, you need to be clothed with Christ. If you want to master sin, you need to put on the full armor of God. Remember that beautiful passage in Ephesians 6? There's a great verse in uh, 16 of chapter 6. And listen to what he says. He says, in all circumstances, and that means all, in all circumstances, take up that shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That's amazing to me. So though sin is crouching, ready to devour you, by taking up that shield of faith in the mighty name of Jesus, you can extinguish 
all the flaming darts of the evil one. So where sin had caused Cain to hate his brother, you and I, by rising up in faith, we love our brother. We love our sister. See, we are Christians. That's who we are. We're not of the devil. We are of God. And so we take up the shield of faith. We rise up in faith. And as we do, all the flaming darts of the evil one are extinguished in the mighty name of Jesus. That is who we are. Some of you need to hear this today. When you begin to feel that hate rising up towards your brother or your sister, rising up towards your spouse, rising up towards one of your children, maybe another person in the body of Christ, you need to recognize it for what it is, that it is an attack from Satan himself. It is a fiery dart from the enemy. And he is pouncing on you just like he did to Cain. Listen to what John says in verse 15. He says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. To hate your brother, to hate your sister is to be a murderer. It's similar to what John writes in chapter 2. He says, whoever says that he's in the light, I'm in the light, but hates his brother, guess what? You're not in the light. You're still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother, yeah, you're in the light. You abide in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So when you feel hatred rising, and, and by the way, I've noticed hatred usually comes as a result of some kind of offense, right? Where someone else has hurt you, has caused you some sort of pain, whether physical or mental. But when that begins to be stirred up within you, that is the exact time when you need to take your faith serious and take up the shield of faith which, by which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. You don't have to take up the offense. In that moment, rise up. Remember who you are and whose you are. Are you a Christian or not? Are you a child of light or of darkness? Are you a child of God or a child of the devil? Your love or your lack of love to those around you will show who you really are and whose you really are. And so if you're a Christian, if you're a child of light, if you're a child of God, resist the devil. Resist him. You know one of the best ways to resist the devil? <laughs> Read your word and speak the truth of God's word over your life. I will not take offense. Though in my flesh I feel the hatred rising up towards that person, I will not be mastered by sin. In fact, I will be mastered by the Holy Spirit within me, and I choose to love. I'm a child of God, and as a child of God, I do not hate my brother. I do not hate my sister. I do not hate my spouse. I do not hate my children. I do not hate the church. I do not hate the family of God. I rise up in faith. I choose to live in the light instead of the darkness, and I choose to love. Love. Gosh darn it. <laughs> and church, as you do this, the fiery darts of the enemy, they fall to the ground as powerless weapons thrown from a defeated foe. Again, do you believe that? It's so extremely powerful to me and I hope it challenges all of us. I hope it challenges us how we think and view and treat those around us. I don't think it's something to be played around with. I don't think it's something to take lightly. Do not be like Cain. All right, John moves from a negative example in Cain and he throws us now a pretty positive one in Jesus. 
1 John 3.16, one of my favorite verses in all of, the, all of the Bible. He says, by this, you and I, all of us, we know love. That who? That who? That Jesus laid down his life for us. Who? Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Isn't that powerful? That's how we know what love is. We know what love is by looking at Jesus. Jesus shows us love. He reveals love. And he shows us that love lays down its life for one another. And as Christians, as little Christ, ones who follow Christ, those who have the love of Christ on us and in us, do you know what we do? We are the ones who display the love, his love to others. As he has loved us, we love one another. John goes on to describe in verses 17 and 18 what this might look like. I love these two verses. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So if you have, and you see someone who does not have, and yet you close your heart against that person, John says, how could the love of God abide in you? It doesn't even make sense to John. How, how could that be? So let us not just love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Again, Christianity is not about just saying all the right things. It's not about getting all the test answers correct. God really isn't into smooth talkers. He's into obedient followers. He's into people who follow His commands, who love others as themselves in real and tangible ways. So this week, apply this. When you see someone in need, do what you can to show them love. Do what you can. Now, can you solve all of the world's problems? Probably not. But that's not what John writes. I love what John writes. Look at what he says. He says, when you see a person in need, don't close your heart against that person. I think that's the key. Don't close your heart. Don't let your heart grow cold. So when you consider Ghana, think about Ghana and the door that God has opened up for us to minister in Ghana. You can be a part of that or you don't have to be a part of that. I don't think you're a better Christian if you do or a better Christian if you don't. You just be led by the Holy Spirit and you obediently do whatever he is asking you to do. But be careful if you find your heart being closed to it where you have bitter or negative thoughts towards those people who are in desperate need. Maybe you're driving by the person who's holding the cardboard sign. We all drive by them. Whether you give them the money or whether you don't give them the money, you be led by the Holy Spirit on that one. But just be careful, this is so important, about your heart in those situations. Don't let your heart grow cold. Don't let your heart be closed. You be a Christian. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and you obediently do whatever the Holy Spirit's asking you to do. Whatever that might be. Maybe you have a friendship. I think we've all had this friendship where someone we know, we're close to, and they're chronically late on bill payments. And what do they do? They call you up and they ask you for money. And yet you know how they've been spending their money. Now, whether you help them out or not, I don't know. God knows. God can help you on that. So you ask God. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Give or don't give. But again, don't let your heart grow cold. Don't let your heart be closed against them. You see how important this is? You know, I, this week I was troubled by this message. Because in my life, 
I have allowed my heart to grow closed to so many people, much more than I'm proud of, much more than I'd like to admit. But I know that I'm a Christian and I love God. I I adore God. I follow Jesus. And so in those times when I'm just done with a person, you ever been done with a person, right? I've just had it with you. We've all been there before. In that moment, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit, he's always faithful to speak his truth and to speak his love over me. Dan, remember who you are. Dan, you're a Christian. You're a child of God. I don't care what they've done. You're a child of light. You're the one who resists the devil. You're the one who takes up the shield of faith which extinguishes every fiery dart of the evil one. And so where sin would want me or want you to hate our brother, hate our sister, hate our spouse, hate our ex-spouse, hate our child, hate a church member, hate our boss, whoever else it might be, no, we are the ones, listen to this church, we are the ones who rise up in faith. We are the ones who allow the Spirit of God to rise up within us and He softens our hearts. He gives us the supernatural love of Christ for those around us. The Holy Spirit actually puts into remembrance who we are and whose we are. We are Christians. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are the ones who live in righteousness. We are the ones who obey God. And we are the ones who love others as we love ourselves. This is who we are. And so... As we go into this upcoming week, you might want to practice that. You might want to practice reminding yourself of who you are and whose you are. You might need to practice calling upon the Holy Spirit to soften your heart. Because offenses will come. People are people. But in that moment, we might need to call out to the Lord to ask Him to change our heart where the hatred might turn to love. And so before... We leave today, and I'd call the worship team up at this time. I want to pray, and I want to pray over this entire church. And I confidently believe that God would want to do some healing in your hearts today. Again, He won't force the healing upon your heart. But if you allow Him, He will soften your heart towards those around you. So let's pray together. Lord, even now you're putting uh, people in our minds, you're you're bringing people up, maybe relationships, maybe it's a boss relationship or a family dynamic, You're, you're bringing people to mind. And Lord, in our flesh, we have so many reasons, practical reasons, uh, even reasonable excuses why we do not like that person. We would never admit that we hate them, maybe we would, but... But to say we love them would be far from the truth. So we ask for you to begin to work, even now, to soften our hearts. Jesus, you said we would be known by our love. (laughs) Yet how many of us are known by just saying all the right things? How many of us are known by having correct theology or doctrine? And yet you said that we will be known by our love as you have loved us we are to love one another and Lord for some of us the reality is we can't just move past some of these things in our willpower in our own efforts by our own strength it's impossible so we need a miracle 
We need a miracle of your love to envelop us, to, to fill us. Because in our own strength, we will fail. But by the strength of God, we will overcome. Yes, amen. Just allow the Lord to minister to you today. God cares about your heart today. He cares about your heart. Any area that has grown cold, any area that has been closed off, in the name of Jesus, would you, God, just begin to soften those areas? Open our hearts once again. Open our hearts. Open our hearts, Lord. Here's the thing, church, as we continue to pray. Having a closed heart is such a growth hindrance because <laughs> it keeps us in bitterness. It keeps us in jealousy. It keeps us in envy. It keeps us where people have more power in our lives than they ever should have. And we're not able to walk into the promises and the goodness of God because we're holding on to the darkness. But Jesus doesn't have us here today to give you another day in the darkness. He's actually here to break the chains of the darkness. Jesus, we believe that, that you're here to bring us into the light. That you inspired John to write these passages, these scriptures to remind us of who we are and whose we are, that we're children of God, that we're children of light, that we are the ones who love our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.